Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. The Bi- if you'll turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 17 uh, through 18, 17 and 18. The title of the message is simply perfect. Um, let's talk about perfection for just a minute. Perfection is hard to achieve. It's not one of those things that uh, happens so very easily. Only 23 pitchers in professional baseball have thrown perfect games. That's a pretty big deal. Only 23 have thrown a perfect game. You, you know, the, how many of you know the first pitcher in baseball that threw a perfect game? You raise your hand, you think you know the very first one. The very first one. Anybody know the very first one? Cy Young. That's right. Cy Young through the very first perfect game. About half a percent, half a percent of those taking the ACTs or the SATs uh, each year score a perfect score. Half a percent. And only one person, only one person in human history has ever lived a perfect life. How many of you think you know who that is? Would you read? Yeah, okay, I think you do. In his autobiography, Benjamin Franklin wrote, I conceived the bold and arduous project of arriving at mortal or moral perfection. I wish to live without committing any fault at any time. I would conquer all that either natural inclinations, custom, or company might lead me into. As I knew or thought I knew what was right and wrong, I did not see why I might not always do the one and avoid the other. But I soon found I had undertaken a task of more difficulty than I had imagined. While my care was employed in guarding against one fault, I was often surprised by another. Habit took the advantage of inattention. Inclination was sometimes too strong for reason. I concluded at length that the mere speculative conviction that it was our interest to be completely virtuous was not sufficient to prevent our slipping. In other words, Benjamin Franklin found out what all of us know, and that's we've all got skin on. As we approach this week of of Thanksgiving, I want to share some perfection with you. It will not be my perfection. It will not be uh, the perfection of any of you, although I think you're wonderful people. I want to share some perfection of someone else. Most of us, as we go Christmas shopping very soon, we'll look for just the perfect gift. I want to show you today someone who has designed and given all of us only perfect gifts. Our text is James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, 
that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, let's just acknowledge the time of year that we're in. This is Thanksgiving week, and on Thursday we're going to hopefully assemble with somebody around hopefully a meal of some kind, and we're going to partake of that meal and the fellowship, and we're going to give thanks. We're going to acknowledge that God is our provider, and we're going to thank the Lord for His provision. Thanksgiving also ushers in Christmas season. I realize that Christmas season has already started. The retailers determined that with Thanksgiving coming as late as it came this year, that it was important to get a a jump on retail sales. So uh, Christmas is already advertised and is already uh, being sold. Today, after the service, our choir, if you want to stay and help, you can. Our choir is going to stay, and they're going to decorate the church for Christmas so that next Sunday when you come in, the church is going to look like Christmas. And I will have the first of four Christmas messages that I'm going to bring. The title of that message is The Beginning of Miracles. It's the Christmas Miracle Series. We're all looking toward um, the Christmas season, and we'll go and we will purchase gifts, but in many ways, we will not just grab something off the shelf. We'll want it to be the perfect gift. We want to make sure it's just the perfect thing. And that's the first point of my message today, is that the gifts that we receive from God are perfect gifts. Verse 17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Now, this tells us a lot about the gifts of God, but it also tells us about other gifts as well. Satan has certainly given us things to offer. The world around us has things to offer us, but they are neither good nor are they perfect. They certainly do not come down from above. Every text, as you should know, has a context. That means that everything that is read uh, in Scripture has a, a setting. What comes before it and what comes after it has a bearing on what is said. And the context of this scripture is found in, uh, at least part of the context, is found in two earlier verses. From these verses, we find out where the gifts of Satan and the flesh and the world will lead us. James 1.13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is, has conceived, brings, gives, forth, uh, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Now, that's a much different verse or set of verses than the verse that we just read. That talks about gifts, and that talks about things that lead to our destruction. And then immediately after that, James wrote under the inspiration of God, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, comes down from God. And so with that in mind, let's talk about those perfect gifts. And let's start out with the ones that, that uh, James said were good gifts. There are many good gifts that the Lord gives to us, and there's a difference between a good and a, and a perfect gift. 
God doesn't give any bad gifts, but he does give good gifts and he gives perfect gifts. What are the good gifts? Well, again, looking to this week, this is the week that we set aside to to be thankful or at least remember to be thankful for God's good gifts to us in life. Psalms teaches us that a lot of good things are gifts from God. For instance, the book of Psalms teaches us that children are God's gift. This morning, maybe it's already happened, I don't know, Jeff and Chelsea are waiting for that good gift to be delivered to them. No, not a perfect gift, but a a good gift. Now, children are not perfect, but they are a good gift to us. I can remember when my sons were born. I can remember when the two grandsons were born. I look forward to the birth of, of our little granddaughter. And I know that they will all be good gifts. And I might say even uh, on the day that she is born, oh, how perfect. I might even say that. Because in my mind, she probably is a perfect gift. But really, what she is is a good gift. Many good gifts are given to us. Marriage. Marriage is a, between a man and a woman is a good gift from God. In Genesis 2, 2 and verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So on Thursday, when you bow your head and you thank the Lord for the meal and you thank for other uh, blessings, then thank God for your marriage. Marriage is a good gift. However, it's an interesting thing about good gifts. Good gifts from God are what we make them. He gives them to us good, and sometimes we turn them into something that is not so good. There's nothing wrong with the institution of marriage, but there may be something wrong with your marriage. When God instituted marriage and God blessed marriage, God instituted three things. He instituted government, he instituted the church, and he instituted marriage. And we know that all three things are good gifts, but they are what you make them. If you were to ask someone on the street, how good is your government? They would probably say it was awful. Well, it's not because it was a bad gift from God. It is what we have made it. Uh, Marriage is what we make it. The church is that gift from God. But uh, to, to the extent of how good it is depends a lot on what kind of stewards we are of the church. If I look out here today, I would say this is a good church. God has given us here, 50 years ago, God gave uh, to this town a church. It's a good church. I thank the Lord. It's a good church. But I will say this to you, it's not a perfect church. And there's sometimes that we as a church may not act so good. We may not be as good as we, we ought to be. God gives us good gifts to manage and develop into what he would have them be. So there are a lot of good gifts that God has given to you, and he has given that, those gifts to you to manage into what he would have it to be. You can walk into two houses. <clears throat> They'd be the exact same age. Aubrey Mayo is sitting back there. Aubrey built my house uh, that Jan and I live in. It's our house, I guess. Um, I don't guess. I know that it is. Where are you? There. <clears throat> I know that it is. 
See, right now, I'm thankful that she doesn't have a concealed uh, carry permit. <clears throat> you, you walk into our house that's, that's 21 years old. You walk into another house that's 21 years old. It could be the same floor plan. It could be the, it costs the same to build. It could have been built by the same builder. And, and all of the good things have been put in it. But the truth is that one house may look practically new and the other house is falling down around you. What's the difference between the two houses? Well, it's not that they weren't built good. That's not good English, I understand. But it's not that they weren't good when they were built. Mike, you, you see this a lot because you're in the cabinet business. You see this a lot. It's not, it's, it's not because they weren't good when you first went in, uh, they first went into the house. They all were good when they first went in. But the difference was in the stewardship of that which was once good. So sometimes when something turns bad on us, it's not because it wasn't good to start with. It may be because that stewardship wasn't what it should have been from the beginning. And so it is with the life that God gives us. Our lives may be different. One may be harder than the other. Whether or not your life is good, however, depends on how it is managed. Some people have been given good lives and they've managed them badly. And some, by all measure, have been given difficult lives, but they've managed them well. The reality is that in both cases, God is the giver of good things. And if God gives us something good and it turns out not to be good any longer, it isn't that God gave us something flawed. It's probably the way that we kept up that good thing that he gave us. Good gifts are those gifts that come from God with the potential to be wonderful, but they depend on us to be responsive to God's leading. Good gifts. The perfect gift starts out being a good gift. But our text said that there was another kind of gift, that we are given good gifts and that we are given perfect gifts. Now, perfect gifts are those that are fully complete and have need of no further development or attention for us in order for them to be all that they should be. They were perfect when they are given and they remained perfectly intact. The most obvious gift of this kind is salvation. <clears throat> salvation is a, <clears throat> a perfect gift that needs no assistance. When, when we are saved, when we are saved by God's grace through faith, that salvation is given to us in a perfect light. Now, our Christian walk may not be perfect. God gives us a, a good advantage to have a good Christian walk. But when he gave us salvation, it is perfect. You know the great verse, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, there's a perfect gift. That's why I don't ever worry about losing my salvation. God gave me a perfect gift. He gave me a gift that I cannot lose. Now I have in my pocket a pocket knife. This is a tree brand pocket knife. 
in my church that I was, where I was a pastor in Nashville, I had a, had a man that came to me, wonderful man, and he said, Brother Ray, if you had a pocket knife, what kind would you want to have? And I said, well, I don't know. I said, my daddy always carried a tree brand pocket knife. He said, a tree? I said, yeah, a tree brand. Now, there's different kinds of pocket knives, but a tree brand is a very old brand of knife. Then he walked in one day and he said, Pastor, I've got something for you. They called me Brother Randy there. He said, Brother Randy, I've got something for you. And I opened it up and it was this knife right here, this tree brand pocket knife. Now, I've been the pastor here in February, it'll be 22 years. He probably gave me this thing, I don't know, five, six years before, maybe eight years before I, I uh, left that church to come here. So this knife is probably 30 years old. Now, it's no longer perfect. I have a, a blade that's broken on the end. It's, it's not really very sharp. Last time it was sharp, Brother Sheldon sharpened it for me. I need to send it back to him, let him sharpen it again. <clears throat> it's not perfect. It looks well-worn, but I think that's part of it. I, I love it. I, I like the, the oil from my hand has made the wood on it a little dark. I've lost this knife twice. I lost it once moving a son to college over in Mississippi. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I have lost that knife. And I got home after moving him over there, and I was getting ready to turn in the travel trailer or the uh, moving trailer, and I opened up the back just to make sure everything was out, and there it laid at the back door of the trailer. And I went, thank you, Lord. The other, day, other time, I, I was taking a nap on the couch, and uh, it fell out of my pocket. <clears throat> I, I looked all high and low, couldn't find it, and then, sure enough, there it was on the couch. That was a good gift, but it wasn't a perfect gift. Now, salvation is a perfect gift. It came from God. It's a perfect gift. It's a completed gift. I'm thankful for it. I'm actually, I'm thankful I couldn't get, do anything to earn it, and I'm thankful I can't do anything to lose it. It is a perfect, perfect gift. You say, well, did he give us any other perfect gifts? Oh, he sure did. The Bible is a perfect gift. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Bible is perfect. Never will forget years ago, there was a program on in Nashville. It was the Teddy Bart show. It was the noon show in Nashville with Teddy Bart. And Teddy Bart was a, uh, was a Jewish man. He was a good guy. He was a very good host. And he would have a pastor on every week, and there would be a pastor segment every single day. Every day there would be a pastor segment. Do you remember the Teddy Bart show, uh, Larry? And, and one time he had one of my friends on, and, and very unusual that the, uh, most of the pastors didn't take their Bibles to the Teddy Bart show during the interview. But this friend of mine took his Bible, and uh, <clears throat> Teddy Bart uh, he, he would make reference to the Bible, and he would talk about what the Bible says. And then Teddy said to him, he said, now, Reverend, we, everybody knows that the Bible is full of errors and contradictions. And my, my friend 
picked up his Bible and he handed it to Teddy. And he said, would you show me one? He said, well, I, I can't write. Well, he said, if everybody knows that they're in there, surely you can find one just on the spur of the moment if they all know that they're in there. He said, well, I don't think I can find one. And he said, the reason is because they're not full of errors. They may be full of misunderstanding. It may be that we don't know the mind of God. But there are a lot of things that I don't understand that I fully accept. I've said this so many times. How does a brown cow eat green grass and give white milk? I don't understand that. I'm sure some of you do, but I don't. I'll tell you this, though. If we run out of milk at the house, I'm talking to Miss Ray immediately. We need milk. So the Bible is a perfect gift. Our home in heaven is under construction with the supervision of Jesus, but it is a perfect gift. John chapter 14 and verse 2, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, would I, I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Occasionally, God will give us one of those perfect moments that we cherish. Occasionally, God will give us something else that's perfect. But the point is that the gifts from God are good and they are perfect. And here's the reason. It's because they are heavenly gifts. All of the gifts that God has given you, all of those things that you should be thankful for that are good and are perfect came down from the Father of lights. Every good and every perfect gift, the Bible says, is from above. Here's a song that we used to sing. We don't sing it anymore. I debated on whether or not to sing it or quote it. I think at this point I might sing it, then burst out into quote afterward. <clears throat> Here's a song that some of you have never heard because you're new to the church or you're young and the church hasn't sung it anymore or sung it since you've been here. There shall be showers of blessings. This is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing sent from the Savior above. Showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops around us are falling, but for the showers we plead. That's where the good and perfect gifts come from. They come from above. So heavenly gifts are perfect gifts. They're good gifts. And do you know why that we have these perfect gifts? because they come from a perfect giver. The one who gave them to us is perfect. Again, our text, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. This great benefactor that gives us these good and perfect gifts, well, he's the Father of lights. Now, who is that? Well, that's the Creator God. He's the father of lights. Let there be light. There was light. Who said that? The father of light. God said that. You mean the God that made light gave me every good and perfect gift? Absolutely. Let there be light and there was light, Genesis 1-3 says. He just spoke it. You know, it's amazing. God didn't turn a switch on. He didn't clap on, clap off. <clears throat> he just spoke it. He just said, let there be light. 
And the good and perfect gifts of our lives have come to us from our creator, God. He is the father of lights, and he's the father of everything else that is good and perfect. Whatever outdoor sport you may enjoy is made better by the creator, God. By the way, just as a point of reference, how many of you know what that scene is right there? Would you raise your hand? Okay, a few of you. That's Amen Corner right there. <clears throat> when I, years ago, when I first began to play golf, I didn't start playing golf till I was 50, and I'm not, a good, I'm not a good golfer. I'm really not. Really, what I do is go out and tear up a man's yard. That's about all <clears throat> that I do. <clears throat> but I enjoy it. I, I enjoy it. And um, I took lessons when I first started, and my instructor was a wonderful guy. He's a Christian guy. And before the first lesson, and, and any of you that have played a little bit of golf, you know how just uptight you get and afraid you're going to look stupid. And let me help you with that thing about afraid you're going to look silly playing golf. I want You are. <laughs> just get over it. Everybody else is too. Everybody looks silly at some point playing golf. I know somebody never did look silly. You didn't see him every time. But anyway, this golfer, this instructor, he said, uh, could we pray before we start your first lesson? And I thought to myself, man, I've been praying over this first lesson ever since I got to the parking lot. But I said, you sure can. And he put his arm around me, great guy, put his arm around my shoulder And he said, Lord, we just thank you for the beauty of your creation and this game that allows us to wander around through it and to enjoy the the lush green grass and the, the trees that are so beautiful. Thank you, Lord, for those things that seem like hazards but are so magnificent if we just sit back and look at them and he prayed and and after he finished praying I thought wow that's a whole different take on this and whether you're a fisherman or whether you're a a hunter or a biker or a hiker or a runner or a golfer or whatever you do and part of the joy of what you do is to step back and enjoy what the creator God has given you. If you're driving somewhere on this Thanksgiving holiday week, enjoy what the creator God has given you. Notice it along the way. If you're going up north, you'll, you'll drive into most of the leaves, probably many of them have gone, but you'll drive through some areas that still have leaves changing. Enjoy them. Enjoy the rolling hills as you go north. You get in Tennessee, enjoy those rock cliffs that they had to blast away to build the road. Those rock cliffs are beautiful. At certain times of the year, they have icicles formed on the side of them, and they just will take your breath away. Those perfect gifts came from and come from a creator God. Not only is he a creator God, he is an unchanging God. Those good and perfect gifts come from a God who does not change. Verse 17 says, there is no variation in God. That means this, God doesn't have good days and bad days. 
God doesn't have days where he says, oh, man, I just don't feel like being God today. Ugh. And he doesn't have days where he says, oh, I, I woke up feeling good this morning. He is the same God. He never gets up on the wrong side of the bed. He never makes a mistake. God has no eraser on his pencil. He is absolutely perfect. He's the unchanging giver of all good and perfect things of life and eternity. God's perfection is absolutely, absolutely beyond shadow. Here's what Hebrews says of of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. God has never stopped providing for us. He has always been good to us. He is an unchanging God. That's why his gifts are perfect. He is the creator God. He is the unchanging God. Think about this. That same uh, God who said, let there be light, and there was light, put within you, at, uh, you ladies, at some point, a little baby, and you had that baby, and that baby has now become a child or an adult, and that same Creator God, without change, that same Creator God gave you that little good gift. It's the Creator God that's bringing in the world today. Lily Jane Williams to Jeff and Chelsea. It's the Creator God that's doing that. It's the God who spoke the world into existence and at the end of each day said, that's good. That is very, very good. The perfect giver is the Creator God. He's the unchanging God. And let me say this, He's the holy God. It goes on and says, in whom there is no variation, look at this, or shadow due to change. Today, when we really aren't sure about someone, we say they're shady. That dude's a little shady, I think. You ever thought about somebody being a little shady? I think they're a little shady. There's not the faintest hint of being shady with God. Not the least tiny little bit. He is the perfect giver of all good and perfect things. And when we gather around our Thanksgiving uh, table on Thursday, let us thank God for his perfect gifts and for him being the perfect giver. You say, well, but he gave me some things that he also took away. Well, the Bible said the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's perfect in what he gives and what he takes away. God is perfect. He is the perfect giver. So today, when we are looking toward Thanksgiving, let us remember the perfect gifts from a perfect giver and know that each gift is perfectly given. Verse 17, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. The reason that we can resist temptation and receive his good and perfect gifts is because that the perfect gifts that he gives to us are perfectly given. 
there have been some things that have been given to me in a perfect way, I felt. Couldn't have been better. Other things, not so good. I remember when I was a kid, oh man, what a terrible boy I was. My sisters, I'm the last of nine children, and my brother and I were considerably younger than our, my, our siblings, most our sisters. We have six sisters, and, and, uh, and we had one brother and, and, uh, the, for the two of us. And, and two of my sisters were working a job, and they wanted to buy me and, and my brother a nice Christmas gift. And they bought us this beautiful Christmas gift, and they wrapped it up, and, and my brother's name was Butch, and we just couldn't take it. So we unwrapped the gifts. I was about probably nine years old. I unwrapped the gift. You know, nine-year-old can unwrap and rewrap a gift perfectly. <laughs> I unwrapped the gift and we looked at it. It was actually a nice sweater. I liked the sweater. Butch liked the sweater. They were matching sweaters. We were going to look like twins, even though we're four years apart. But uh, <clears throat> we put them back together. And, and then it came time for Christmas Day, and those gifts weren't under the tree. Oh, man. And everything was open, and it was all done. And my sisters are real big on teaching lessons. <clears throat> I really wasn't into learning them, but uh, <clears throat> they were into teaching them. And so I think it was the next day, maybe two days later, somebody said, there's two gifts under the tree. And we went, and there they were. Now I want to tell you something. They were not perfectly given. They thought that they were perfectly given, but they weren't perfectly given. When God gives us gifts, they're perfectly given. Let me tell you why. Because they come from a heart of love. Verse 17 says that of his own will, he brought us forth. What would motivate the perfect eternal God to reach down to a sinful man and bring us forth to salvation? There was no obligation to us. There's, there's nothing that we could have done or, or can do for him that, that would cause him to say, I've, I've got to get this done because they're going to be able to really help me out. He has it all. And he is all and in all. Why would he do something like give salvation to you and me? Well, there's only one reason. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal or everlasting life. Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The good gifts that we give, we give from a heart of love. The good and perfect gift that the father gave, he gave from a heart of love. It's the natural things to do. The, the Bible makes a comparison of the gifts of our love and the gifts of the Father's love, and the gifts of the Father's love are far greater than our gifts. Matthew seven eleven. if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God's love for us is simply perfect. And from it come all of the good and perfect gifts in this life. They are given from a heart of love as we are given salvation from a heart of love. 
And by the way, speaking of salvation, here's another perfect way that it came to us. It came to us by the word of truth. That's what our text said. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. That's how we found out about salvation. 2 Peter 1, 4 says, by this, he has granted to us precious and great promises that, uh, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. This verse has so much power in it. Today we talk a lot about a lot of things. Churches has become about style. It has become about style. Oh my goodness. Oh, it has become about style. Well, I, you know, what kind of music do they do? Now, do they, do they have like a praise band or do they, uh, what, do they still have a choir? They don't have a choir. They have a praise team. I mean, is it really upbeat? Is it rocking? Is it cooking? Is it traditional? Do they sing out of a hymn book? They still sing songs about the blood and on and on. I mean, I'm telling you, it's all about style today. But I'll tell you this, the Bible didn't say of his own will, he brought us forth by the style of the church. It said he brought us forth by the what? The word of truth. It didn't say that we were given great and precious promises by the style. Well, Pastor Ray, you got to be in your bonnet over certain kinds of churches. No, I got to be in my bonnet over people thinking it's about style when it's not about style. It's just not about style. Uh, it's the word by which we become partakers of the divine nature. It's the word that perfectly gave us salvation. Style has some importance, but it is ancillary to the power of the truth. Please don't choose, please don't think, well, what I need to do is go to a church where they really sing something, even though they might not say anything. May I suggest to you that where you need to be in, in church, first of all, it's here, but secondly, uh, <clears throat> where you need to be in church is where the Word is preached. It doesn't matter if, if they tap on a cigar box for a drum and, and uh, pick a two-string guitar and, and sing straight from the heart and through the nose. If you have a church like that where the word is preached, then you've got a better church than, than one that has a 50-piece orchestra, a phenomenal choir, all kinds of Christmas pageantry and Easter pageantry, uh, yet the word of God is not preached. That's how salvation was perfectly given to us. It was given to us through the word of truth. That's how it came. The truth is the delivery system of the perfect gift of the eternal life, a gift which places you and me, and this is the last thing, first in line. That's how it's so given so perfectly. The Bible says we're a kind of first fruits of all creation. What does that mean? Well, it means we're different from all creation. God gave us souls, and to our souls, He gave the hope of salvation. 
I, I like animals as much as the next guy, but I don't know a dog that has ever thought about being saved. We had an English bulldog for eight and a half years. His name was Buster. Buster was part of the family. Buster died. I don't think Buster went to heaven. I do think he went to be with St. Bernard. I don't know whether he went to heaven or not. I, to be honest with you, there's, there's not a soul there. But to us, he gave a soul because we are first fruits. And just as the first fruits of the Old Testament farmer and, and herder belong to God, and just as the tithe is to be the first of our increase, we are to dedicate ourselves to God as his first fruits. In other words, because we are the first fruits of all of his gifts, we should be completely dedicated to the Lord. That's what it means. Maybe the Thanksgiving or this Thanksgiving day should be a little bit different. We should certainly thank him for, for his goodness uh, to us, but we can also dedicate ourselves to him, understanding that we are a part of his perfection in giving. Part of the perfection of God's giving is that he made us first fruits, that we might give back and be uh, devoted to him. While we give thanks, we can take the challenge of the Apostle Paul of presenting ourselves an offering of thanks. Romans 12 and verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which your spiritual worship. And that, my friends, is a great thanksgiving. You've been listening to the Family Bible Hour, a broadcast ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida, with your speaker, Dr. Randy Ray. You can visit us at North Florida Baptist Church, 3000 North Meridian Road, Tallahassee, Florida, 32312. Visit us online at nflchurch.com. Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week